Thanks for visiting studiolighting.net. You're listening to Light Source. Welcome to episode 27 of Light Source, the official podcast of studiolighting.net, the website that introduces photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we are going to have an interview with Dylan Borgman. And he is a photographer, photo assistant, digital technician, and all-around Photoshop artist. He's from the Los Angeles area. Uh, he has an interesting website with uh, a lot of links to his images and some of the services that he offers. And if you want to follow along at home, it is www.dylanborgman.cjb.cc. It's uh, D-Y-L-A-N-B-O-R-G-M-A-N dot C-J-B dot C-C. So there, that's the, uh, and of course, if, if you didn't follow along what I'm saying, you can either rewind the MP3 or you can go to studiolighting.net where we'll have quick links that you can get right to uh, all of the stuff so you can play along at home. Absolutely. And this is a cool interview because um, we spoke with a, a, a location photography assistant a little while back. And this time we're, we're talking a little more about like the digital uh, technician side of things and how digital has changed the, even the assistant field. Yeah, it's it's almost inter- it's almost like assistant is morphing into uh, digital services, and it almost I mean it, it's more like it's becoming a bigger. It, it's less of a branching up point. It, it, it's more of like a, a field on its own. Yeah, and we like to make sure that we talk to assistants every now and then, just to kind of put that out out as a way to get yourself into the professional photography arena and get some studio experience. So that's pretty cool to talk with Dylan. Yeah, it's definitely interesting and. Um, and actually, he was one of the assistants on a project that we covered in a light source news story. Actually, a couple times. So, if uh, if you guys remember the show, see if you can guess uh, what that story might have been. It was in one of the news segments. So, that'll be fun to listen for later in the show. But before we get into the interview, uh, we have a little bit of news that's going on. It's, we have some new uh, reviews over at StudioLighting.net. Yeah, we got a chance to check out the PhotoFlex first studio portrait kit um we put that through our test at the light source studio and both kind of had a, a chance to hack at it and and give it give it a test or two it was interesting to play with it was um well i'm not going to give away all my conclusions on it but uh it, it's interesting to read and it's possible that it could sway me a little bit from my strobe um obsession into more of the realm of cons- uh, continuous light so um Definitely interesting to check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it definitely had a, a the, the images had a quality that I think only continuous light can provide. Just kind of a real creamy, like I don't know if it was the white balance setting or what, but just a really cool look to it. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a lot of fun checking it out. So if you want to get the lowdown on that kit, you can head over to StudioLighting.net and take a look at our new product review section. And, of course, we have all of the, the tests that we ran with the Alien B ring light and um, uh, meter readings and samples actually taken with the lighting kit. So you get a little bit more than what you normally would from uh, just reading over a spec sheet or things like that. So right. definitely worth checking out. And, you know, as we continue to use it, I'm sure that we'll be posting more images up on our Flickr group, which has taken off. 
Yeah, the Flickr group is just on fire lately. I, there was like 40 in there last time I looked, and it's it's almost a challenge just kind of keeping up with it, but that's great. And people are really in there. There's a couple of professional photographers that are putting their opinions in and uh, just some really cool things that are going on over there. So way to go, guys. Keep it up. Yeah, neat ideas flying about and some good discussion. So, I mean, yeah, it's really cool. The one thing that I thought was pretty neat was that uh, our buddy Rick Diaz was in there actually taking some of the things that we talked about in our last episode and uh, putting them to work. He headed over to Home Depot and picked up some fluorescent lighting tubes and has some sample images in there. It's a really good discussion going on there from last episode, so that's cool. <laughs> I can just picture him like hopping in the car with the MP3 <laughs> still playing. That's right. And going, Hurry, what's what's he saying to get? Oh, wait, hold, hit, let me hit rewind. <laughs> hey, I have to say the images are pretty cool looking. So, yeah, uh, it, and you know what else is pretty interesting too that I thought about them is they they still seem to remain true to Rick's style. Yeah, somehow he pulled that off. That is true. So it, it's kind of interesting. It's like you know we're we're talking with all these guys who are working with different types of modifiers and and do it yourself lighting equipment and these guys are trying all this different stuff and they're still creating their signature look with different things. Right. That is so, cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Speaking of looks, I've been playing with a new device and it's, well, it's not really a look, but it's called new look. It's from Logitech. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a N U L O O Q. And there, some of those are uppercase and lowercase. You know, it's, it's, it's that internet spelling stuff. Like the I, I everything, iPod. I, I everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, if internet or new anything is just like, it's like, well, let's just, you know, throw grammar to the wind. Yeah. Well, I, I can't make fun of them too much because I, I always, like even the, the name of our show, Light Source, we spell with one word and it's like a mixture of capitals and lowercase. But yeah, this is true. <laughs> so anyway, what, what's the new look all about? Well, the new look is uh, Logitech's what they call their creative controller. Actually, it's for it's a it works in tandem with your mouse, and it actually gives your left hand something to do while you're using your right hand in Photoshop. Nice. Yeah, it's uh it has a, a number of different controls to it. It has like a touch sensitive control on the top that allows you to change your brush sizes. Um, there's another button you can pick that brings up a tool palette that allows you to store. Uh, tools that you use on a regular basis where you can hit a button and then like use the scroll wheel to select that tool so that way you don't have to remember all of the little you know keyboard shortcuts to get to you know like T for the type tool or V for the move you have like this visual representation on the screen and you can still keep your hand in one area and oh that's quickly, pretty cool yeah you can quickly access like your various tools and in addition to the touch buttons on the top that has a nav ring that actually turns clockwise, counterclockwise, or you can push it in like a north, south, east, west direction. Okay, what's that for? Well, um, it, various things, really. I mean, you can use it um, if you turn the dial. It's your it defaults to zoom in or out. Um, the uh. left, right, you know, north, south, east, west movements will give you um, a pan of that image. And all of these buttons are completely configurable through the software, so you can go and change them to whatever you would want them to be. So, you know, that would be cool, because I'm always trying to change my brush size, like, you know, and use the keyboard to do that, and, and, and that is one way to do it. But it'd be great to sort of have your hand, you know, not have to move your fingers, just twist like that and get a different brush size. Could you do something like that? 
Yeah, I mean, that's actually what I use it for mostly. Um, mostly because I haven't you know, sat the, you know, had the time to sit down with it and really focus through it and try and, uh, try and understand all the nuances of it. But it's pretty cool. It sounds it's like the kind of device. thing that, sorry. It sounds like the kind of thing that once you get used to it, you, you like wouldn't want to work without it. <laughs> True. And actually, I find myself using it in other applications more than just Photoshop. So, so yeah, it's a pretty cool device from Logitech. It's pretty neat. It, it, it's a little pricey, it seems, for what it does. It's like $80. But it is, it's heavy. It's solid. I mean, you definitely feel like you, you spent $80 on something. It, it's like, almost like a marble paperweight. And it has to because it doesn't move anywhere. That sounds really cool. But I have to say, if uh, 80 bucks, that is a little steep. And actually... Especially since a couple of days ago, I found that uh, Alien Bees has released a new sh- uh, radio flash trigger, and it's also eighty bucks for the set. So <laughs> I think that's where I'd spend my money first. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an RF, it's an RF flash trigger similar to like Pocket Wizards. Yeah, exactly. Um, now Pocket Wizards are, you know, of course, a lot more. This is forty dollars for the transmitter and forty dollars for the receiver. But it is eight channels. It has a range of, I think it was like a, a 150 feet at, at the longer end. But it looks pretty interesting. It actually fits in line with the power cord of the mono light. If you're familiar with the back of Alien Bees at all, they just have a normal, uh, you know, three prong power cord that plugs into the back. And this actually goes between the power cord and the mono light. And then it has a little eighth inch sync cord that comes off. Uh, for that part of it. And then the transmitter just takes batteries, which they said would last between twenty and 30,000 flashes. So it's pretty cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you never have to really worry about your transmitter running dead on batteries. Right. Yeah, because if you're... I'm sorry, your your receiver, you don't have to worry about your receiver being running dead on batteries because it's going to... If your, your light has to be plugged in, so with it being in line, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. Um... You know, and you know the quality's going to be there. And it's not like one of those... Like, you can get radio triggers, if any of you have ever tried to look around. You can get radio triggers on eBay for, like, 40 bucks. And from what I've seen in some of the forums and discussions about them, it's kind of hit or miss in terms of, like, whether it's going to last. So I don't think you'd have that problem with the Alien Bees product. Uh, and yet you're still saving some money from dishing out for the actual... Uh, you know, Pocket Wizard system, which is exceptional, but it comes with a price. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like uh, you could save your money and buy um, yeah, several of these uh, units and yeah, stack them with light, kind of like what Neil Kelly was saying about with um, you know, putting lights around the room, you know, either in the front and the back of the room, set the, the receivers on separate channels, and then if you have two photographers, you just switch back and forth between the channels and yeah, almost sounds like you could buy eight of these guys for the price of one alien, one <laughs> true. pocket wizard. Or like I know a couple of occasions when you and I were shooting together, it would have been great to have you know both of our cameras remotely triggering the the strobes and having them on different channels so that we could each shoot and not interfere. And I know eighty dollars is definitely worth not tripping over the sync cords. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I have one that's uh, almost ruined. Luckily, they, I bought three lights, so I have three cords. So Yeah, well, it's, I'm just waiting for the day that I trip over one and pull the light down with it. I'm sure that's happened before to people. I've done that, but I've caught it. Oh, nice. <laughs> anyway, that's pretty in, cool. In, in between my heart stopping. I was like, <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, 
for eighty dollars, you know, it's something that would fit in your stocking this year. So yeah, we'll there see. you go. <laughs> well, if you still have that eighty dollars around and you don't want to buy the flash triggers, there's also uh, from our friends over at Shoot Smarter a new device called the Balance Smarter, and it's uh, a tool to help you with your white balance. Now, it's different from the uh, the Expo Disc or, or Kodak uh, gray card. And what this is is a it's a neutral gray uh, fold up panel, almost like you'd unfold and fold up those um, collapsing windshield things that fit into your car to protect the no, glare coming in your window while it's parked. Right. It's kind of similar to that, and they have diff- three different sizes. They have a 12, a 20, and um, a bigger one. It's pretty cool. It has a neutral gray to the front of it, so when you have your model or place it in front of your subject and you shoot your picture with that gray, and that is your that becomes your gray reference for setting a manual white balance in the camera. Okay, so you could use that to do your preset white balance in the studio, or you could actually uh, use that for post-processing in Photoshop, right? Because that registers the gray, the gray level. Right, and you, it depends on how your camera is. If you're, I think um, on the video demo, they said that uh, Will Crockett was talking and said that um, I believe Nikon's use a white to gray balance off of. Yeah, and and the back of this thing is white, so that would be good for that. Right, and then the other benefit of it is that on each side of it, they have a little crosshair target, and that'll give you something for your autofocus of your camera um, to focus on, too. So that way you can help as a, as a focus point, and then if you want, you can set your camera to manual at that point if you have a tricky subject. If you're, if you're doing the egg exercise, right? And you're having trouble getting that autofocus to pick up that egg because there's no contrast to it. Well, you can put the the balance card in there, balance your camera, get your focus at the same time. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, and and they had three sizes, like you said, and I think the the one was the twelve inch size was like sixty dollars, and I think it went up to eighty after that, and then the other one was uh, a little more than that, even. Yeah. I seem to remember thinking that the medium one was going to be about uh, $75 with the shipping and, you know, that was shipping and handling included in that. So, right. So, yeah, there, we've given you three things to put on your list for under $100 for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, when we get to the Christmas episode, we'll, we'll add on to that, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can't wait. Well, this week we might, uh, we might be seeing some new stuff up in New York at the Photo Plus Expo. That- this is true. Yeah, the people that are listening to this show right now are probably uh, we're probably at the show, looking at all the cool gear. So we'll be taking pictures of all the stuff that we want to add to our Christmas list. <laughs> Absolutely. Can we can we publish that Christmas list on StudioLighting.net? Hey, I think that'd be a good idea. A <laughs> wish list, right? Exactly. There we go. <laughs> well, before we get into the interview. Um, I found one bit of wacky news again, and this one is courtesy of the blog Photo Jojo. And I know we love to reference this one, but they just have some of the coolest stuff I see. Yeah, plus it's Halloween, so we needed a, a story related to pumpkin somehow. Yeah, so, and this might be a little bit of a stretch relating it to pumpkins, but perhaps not. Um, if you carve some small pumpkins this Halloween season and you lit them with those little tea light candles, um, don't throw those out when you're when all the wax has gone out of them, because Photo Jojo found this story from this blog that I wish I could read because it's it's in German or something like that, and uh, it seems like this site is kind of like a life hacker sort of thing where they take different objects and convert them for other uses. So they took the tea light candles, and if you were looking at it with 
um, it in its standard position, candle part facing up. Uh, they took tin snips and at opposite ends of the circle snipped the verticals. So that way it had a cut in it and then they folded it so it folded backwards on itself. Well, this half moon shape now is when you would put it on the on the flat, it has a front and a back that's connected with the metal that's there. And they were sticking four by six prints right down the center of it, so it becomes this little little desktop photo holder. So yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. It has kind of a retro modern look, and <laughs> and it costs nothing, <laughs> just about. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you have plenty of those candles left over that you've you've used in your pumpkins, you know, don't pitch them in the trash. Grab them and uh, put two snips and fold them and put them on your desk. And it, it almost has an IKEA look to it. I think. There you go. So at IKEA, that would cost sixty bucks, and uh, you can get them from the Light Source <laughs> podcast for nothing. <laughs> Uh, well, isn't IKEA um, Swedish for cheap furniture? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No chance of them ever being a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably move into our interview with Dylan Borgman. And uh, again, if you want to follow along, check out the link on studiolighting.net to get to his professional website. He also has a blog. I believe it is linked off of his website. We'll provide a link for that as well. And we have with us tonight Dylan Borgman, who is a photographer and photographer's assistant and uh, digital tech as well. And he is from Los Angeles, California. Tell us a little bit about how you got into photography and specifically the assistant business. Well, um, I, uh, you know, I just, I just like photographs. I like taking pictures. My grandmother gave me my first camera. And pretty quickly, I started deciding that that was what I wanted to do for a living. And what I found out was that no one really had a good answer uh, as to how to do this. Um, so many photographers have these stories where they study neuroscience for 50 years, and then <laughs> one day... <laughs> Someone goes, you know, maybe you should take pictures. And, and then someone goes, oh, yeah, let's publish those. And uh, it might really help someone who's in high school wanting to become a photographer to, you know, go, oh, okay, well, I guess I should study neuroscience for 50 years first. That's right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how Ed got into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. I went to art school, at least. I went from drawing so, pictures to taking pictures. Oh yeah, well that's and that's a that's a completely uh, lateral move there. Well, um, no one seemed to really have the right idea, but just by coincidence, a photographer came to me. Um, they were doing a little. We had a local magazine, Cincinnati Magazine, um, did a, a story just about my family for like a human interest story. And a photographer came over who worked for them, a uh, wonderful guy named Ryan Kurtz. And as he was photographing, I said, "How to do do this?" And he said, oh, well, I was an assistant, and I went to New York, and I assisted there for a while, and then I came here, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, um, what's that? And he said, oh, okay, why don't you just come down to my studio? So a couple of days later, I showed up at the studio, and we kind of sat down, and he started talking about what assisting meant, and kind of the real world of commercial photography, tips from him, and um, kind of went down that career path. I went to a liberal arts college just to kind of cover my bases so that should should this little photography thing not work out, I might, you know, be able to not have a job flipping burgers. <laughs> but um, <right. laughs> spent the whole time taking pictures and 
And so as soon as I got out of college, I uh, went back home and saved up some money and moved out to Los Angeles wow. and kind of hung out my sign. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for the first couple of months, you know, you, you just kind of hope and pray that the money will hold out until the jobs start coming. But, uh, but they came. And um, pretty quickly, I just started getting into the business and meeting people. And as soon as you know one person, then they're going to recommend you to someone else. And, you know, it's a, it's a sort of a, a C. At this point uh, in my career, though, I, I at least know that I'm going to get work, you know, every day or at least most days. And I take it from there. That's a cool story. What kind of photographers have you assisted? All sorts of photographers. Um, advertising, uh, portraiture, editorial product photographers. I particularly like working with editorial photographers because we're always out there doing something. Uh, There's always big productions, lots of money and time and people running around and equipment that you'd never get to use anywhere else. (laughs) uh, That's very fun. Yeah, playing with other people's toys, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So uh, every kind of photographer. You know, I started out um, assisting a wedding photographer and I would be the guy who ran around with this backlight, you know, just the little candid pictures of people in the parties. Got pretty good at that. And then uh, after a little while, uh, I, you know, I started doing second shooting for him. And after a little while after that, I decided, oh, I think I might want to start doing some more stuff. And eventually you start getting these great gigs. And, you know, now I get calls from magazines and people I know. And, well, it's very exciting. That is cool. Yeah, it was covers of Life magazine and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all you need to do is start meeting the people out there. And that's one thing that I feel is, I guess people get afraid when they think about going into the world of photography because it's all about who you know and all this kind of kind of scary networking stuff. But in reality, it's not who you know. It's, it's how you can talk to people. Just going into their studio with my card and my portfolio, and I said, hey, I really like your work. Here's some stuff that I've done. I'm an assistant. I'm just interested in getting my name out there. And people respond, you That's know? Cool. <laughs> yeah. So just just having a little bit of guts and kind of just putting yourself out there works. You mentioned your portfolio. When you talk about an assistant's portfolio, do you usually take your own work or do you take like shots that you assisted on? I take uh, my own work, uh, my own photography, I've found that an uh, assistant portfolio is almost an excuse. The photographers look at it and they go, oh, I see her. No, this is good, you know. What they're really doing is they're kind of gauging who you are as a person because obviously they're the one who has the picture that they need to have taken. You know, they're the one who will have the creative vision on the shoot. But at the same time, um, it's important to kind of know that you as a person, you're stretching out, you're interested in really doing this. You know, you have aspirations. I think most of the best photographers are the ones who, I, who want people like that around. The wonderful thing about assisting is that the whole day is almost always learning. I mean, obviously, after you've done it for a while, uh, the learning curve starts to flatten out a little bit. But every situation, you know, you have to be a little bit, you know, one part MacGyver uh, when you're <laughs> a photography assistant. The, the procedure, for instance, to haul gear from Los Angeles to New York to do a shoot um, (laughs) could be 50 different ways for 50 different people, and each one of them has been carefully planned out over generations to work just for their system. So now how long have you been doing assisting, roughly in terms of years? 
oh gosh, uh, quite a long time. Professionally assisting, I would say about three years now. And then more recently, um, I've also been doing something called digital teching, which is kind of a specialized assistant. And I've that's, been doing that for about two years. That's where I was trying to lead you a little bit because I was I was curious how long you've been around and whether you've been around in like the film days or if you've been in the mostly digital era. Um, I definitely have worked with film. Uh, you know, can uh, still probably do some benchmarks on how quickly I can roll a Mamiya back and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it's been a while. Uh, of course, there are standby photographers. You know, will always be using film even after it's you know the last roll ever sold by Kodak. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, for the most part, digital has taken over um, the industry that I work in. And when I started, when I came into the professional marketplace, the thing that I brought with me was an extreme strength of Photoshop version one. Nice. And um, that one skill alone has gotten me more jobs than probably anything else. Uh, not because photoshopping is a requirement for someone who's out on a job, but because a photographer who has been working in this industry for quite a while has also had to make this change over to digital. Um, that's disconcerting uh, for a photographer who for 20 years knows that they are the end-all and be-all of the you know, camera that they're using and suddenly have some you know strange computer in the mix that could foul out their pictures at any moment scares them a lot but something goes wrong i know how to do this you know it'll be fine and uh, it's gotten me it's gotten me far i've gotten a lot of i've gotten a lot of gigs that because of it but i've also um endeared myself to a lot of photographers because of that okay um, so you end up kind of over by the keyboard a lot during a shoot i mean explain how computer skills come into play during like a session i am a person who deals with the lights the equipment the camera um, the computer is part of the equipment, but uh, it's more of a hands-off. I'll monitor the files as they're captured as we're, if we're tethered. I'll tell them about exposure, lighting problems, composition, make sure the files are being captured, all that kind of stuff. But usually when they hire me as a digital tech that's more uh, specialized, then you're almost an insurance policy. Um, <laughs> you bring the camera or you bring the computer, you bring your gear, you have all of your cords, you have your discs, your utility discs and your install discs and everything. And should anything go wrong, it's your job to be able to know what's going wrong and fix it and get everybody right back on it. And I'm always, almost always at the computer unless they are shooting to like an image bank or something. And I'm monitoring the files, I'm processing the files, I'm altering the files, um, getting them ready to be transferred, copying over to a second hard drive so that, you know, we'll have a backup, all that kind of stuff. Usually it's being done on the photo shoot, assuming that the computer that they provide is fast enough. And afterwards, too, um, there'll be a day of pre-production and a day of post-production after the shoot, just to sort of get all of everything kind of, you know, figured out from the beginning to the end. So it's important to, I don't know, to kind of carry the carry the job through the whole way. So this is pretty cool, Dylan. You're, you're talking about a new, totally different career path that really wasn't there even a few years ago. So someone could probably do this full-time as well. Absolutely, and people do. People cool. do it all the time. And uh, it's, it is. I, I'll be interested to see in 20 years, you know, it may actually end up, I can imagine, the photo assistant, quote-unquote, 
just becoming more specialized. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But for now, yeah, it's a very um, exciting field to be in just because, you know, you're kind of a new hot topic. Everybody, sure. everybody wants to know what the digital technician knows. Yeah, and it's a great opportunity to break into the business. It seems like a really cool way to take advantage of what you know about computers and stuff. Definitely. And um, that's one thing that I really appreciate having become an assistant in this day and age is that there, in the film days, you could pretty much size up what a good assistant by just a few criteria. They're these sort of um, obsessive-compulsive natured people, <laughs> um, you know, very fixated on details, you know, extremely smart and on task about specific features of the camera. And all of those qualities were great, you know, because, you know, there were all these tasks that required that kind of mentality. Um, but now there's sort of a fragmenting of that industry because now we also need people who know how to handle the computer and how the computer interacts with the camera. So it's, it's all just sort of in flux right now. That's wild. It yeah. almost it almost seems to me like the guy that used to be in the dark room taking care of all of the everything after the fact has now moved out. That's right. And oh I will tell you the clients love it. Clients <laughs> love, love, love having the digital technician there because, you know, the photographer can be doing his thing, but the art director gets to sit next to the digital technician. And last week, um, we were shooting a cover for a annual report and it was a Essentially, the, the art director had said, this is the picture we want. He pulls up the last year's catalog. Like, this is literally what I want you to do again for this year. Take this picture <laughs> with a new model. <laughs> That's what they wanted. Computer all set up. And uh, we take a few test shots, and I stick it in the computer while the photographer keeps shooting. And over the course of him shooting, I was able to get that photo loaded in brought it in Photoshop, I cropped it just the way they had it in the old one, put the text on and the right colors and everything. That's awesome. And <laughs> everybody walked away completely happy, you know? That's great. And they have something in their mind. They know what it's going to look like. There's no waiting. That's pretty yeah, cool. exactly. Yeah. I, I tell you, it's really amazing to see because I, I worked in an ad agency about seven years ago. It was always a long process to actually get to that final piece spring I was up in New York and um, met with uh, Clayinos, who was on one of our early episodes, and actually seeing how the progression of the technology in a studio has changed was just, I was floored by it, and it's amazing for a, a client. And I, I am almost sorry that I'm not in the ad business anymore. <laughs> well, you, you might well, be on you know, the other end. I might be on the other end, this is true. <laughs> well, you know, what, what I find is that the best digital technicians are the best assistants, and the best assistants are the best digital technicians. Best digital technicians are also the ones who understand what assistants are doing when they set up lights and how, how they flag something and why there's going to be a color cast on that. And vice versa, the best assistants are the ones who understand how digital capture works. Sure. And so being aware of both of those worlds uh, is just incredibly uh, helpful. So I assume you would recommend this as an as an option for people that want to get into photography, right? Absolutely. It's a, it's a great way to enter into the field, the gear, and uh, the people. It's great. Is that what your plan is? Are you planning to go pro yourself at some point? Absolutely. Um, right now, I'm pretty happy with where I am. And to say what I, what I am doing right now is assisting, retouching, um, freelance. And all of those things pay the bill and I get experience and, you know, meet new people and so forth. 
And then beyond that, I get time to work on my own stuff. You know, photographers that I know will, you know, lend me their studios or their equipment or this or that, and that all goes towards the actual building of the real portfolio that will go out to art directors someday and, uh, you know, um, when I actually want to transfer over to being a photographer myself. That's cool. Assisting for a while, I'm sure you have a, a lot of tips. What What are some things that you think you've learned or that you think uh, have been beneficial from your assistant career so far? Let's give us some secrets and some maybe some equipment that you've enjoyed working with. <laughs> uh, do you mean uh, tips for, doing, uh, for becoming an assistant or tips actually on the job assisting? During a shoot, let's say. I actually used to be a bartender for a while, and bartending... It's one of those jobs where you got to have your eyes on a hundred things going on at once. And that is, in a nutshell, what assisting is, too. Becoming a good multitasker is just critical, and uh, it, it makes you invaluable. When a photographer, you know, says, hey, can I have my, and then you hand it to them. Nice. You know, <laughs> um, I'd also say uh, one really important thing to take to any job is a relaxed attitude, and I don't mean a lazy attitude, but one thing that I've found is that when you're on set, there are about 100 people there sometimes all freaked out about, is this <laughs> going to work all right? <laughs> is this picture going to come out? And as not the photographer, but as, as his employee, it's important to be reassuring and to really kind of convey a feeling of knowing what you're doing, knowing that you've done this for a million times, you know, and that everything's fine because it's just photography. Give that personality, you know, and, and have that kind of mentality when they go to a shoot. So there's that. And then, let's see, technical stuff, I'd say, like, the C-stand is the best thing invented in the world, and it can do just about anything that you ever wanted. I think, I, I really do think that the C-stand is like the mechanical version of the assistant because it can... Hold, hoist, it can need to do is know how to twist those handles and get it in the right position. But so, you know, kind of getting, getting used to knowing all the different kind of studio gear that's out there. Uh, you know, it costs like, gosh, it costs, I think, $10 a day to rent uh, most of this stuff. And, uh, you know, you just kind of play around with it. You figure out how it works and kind of, you know, figure out what that doohickey there does because doubtlessly on the shoot it's going to break and you're going to have to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, of course, also just having a system bag that you always kind of grow and change and alter as, as, uh, as you become a better assistant. You'll, you'll pick up little things and little stuff that you'll stick in there. Well, that's cool. What's in your assistance bag? Oh, let's see. I actually have it sitting right here. What do I have? My CTOs for uh, changing color temperature. I've got a notepad. I've got three different sizes of clamps. A uh, big roll of gaffer's tape. Gaffer's <laughs> tape being the end-all and be-all of the world. Safety goggles, just in case. Um, a multi-tool. Some miniature screwdrivers for electrical things. Got some electrical tape here. A set of radios. That's one of the best things I've found. Um, being able to whip out a pair of radios. That's awesome. That's always... That always makes them happy. See here, and I have uh, clips, AA batteries, lens cleaning paper, uh, some pocket wizards. That's about it. I try to keep mine small. That's awesome. Because uh, doesn't sound very small. All here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's compact. <laughs> oh, there we go. 
that's a pretty comprehensive kit for for guys out there listening of uh, stuff to put in your in your uh, satchel take with you on a shoot because I know uh, just listening to you mention some of those I'm going hmm many of those items would have saved the day um, repeatedly so I mean it, it, the the Boy Scout be prepared exactly and uh, I mean you never know what's going to come up I was just at a shoot recently where. We were in an executive suite, okay? This is a really big uppity executive suite on the top of uh, the, you know, high floor of a tall building. And so this is, this is like, um, you know, when you enter the suite, they're like, this is like a library. You have to be very careful. You have to be very quiet. They didn't really like us being in there anyways. So we go in, and this comes up to us, and she says, I'm really sorry, but I get migraines from the flash. I can't have you doing this. And so the photographer looked at me, and he said, solve this. So, you know, we went back and we started figuring out what we could do. And, you know, in about 10, 15 minutes, I and another assistant had devised this whole little contraption made out of light stands and re- that blocked off her wall from the flash. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and she was fine and she went fine and, uh, you know, everybody was a little bit happier that we had done <laughs> that. So, <laughs> you never know when those clips will come in handy. Now, I assume you deal with models sometimes. What are some tips or, or things you've run into just with like the sort of the people aspect? Um, I've worked with celebrities. I've worked with my, just guys, you know, out on the street. I've worked with people who do some modeling. And every single person is going to be different. And uh, you have to talk with them. What I tend to do is I tend to just sort of be very happy and cordial when I immediately meet them and just sort of see what they do. You know, do they say hi and then turn away? Do they want to talk about their grandfather who just died? I mean, you know, whatever it is, (laughs) you just want to sort of use that knowledge to your advantage. I mean, if if the person seems that they just kind of want to be left alone, respect that and and help them, you know, to, to do what they need to do while not inconveniencing them, on other cases, people don't know what they're doing. They're sitting there going like, I don't know what to do. Should I smile? Should I not? And you just kind of sit down and you go, hey, you know, this is fine. Don't worry about it. You know, so what did you do today? You know, how are you How are you doing? Because the photographer can't always. He's always interested in the, the picture. Right. That's cool. I was on a photo shoot assisting a, a local prominent photographer, and I ended up having to kill spiders for the, for the <laughs> ladies that were being photographed that night. <laughs> <laughs> Every time a spider came along, they were uh, they weren't happy. Then when I when I dropped the uh, lens baby lens cap under the the deck. Oh yeah, I had to go get that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. So you have to kind of dress for anything, right? That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing I didn't mention in my assistant bag is actually in a little bag for studio stuff because then you have to bring things like food just in case no one remembers to order food. <laughs> you know. Things like that. <laughs> Good advice. Well, it's really cool, too, because you have a blog. And a lot of times when you come back from a shoot, you uh, you post something about the photo shoot or, you know, something that you've learned. So we really appreciate that. And we wanted to let everybody know they could check that out in case anybody out there in L.A. is looking for a good assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I tend to try to, to, when on my blog, you know, it's great to have people out there saying, hey, you know, it works. You know, you're not selling away your soul by doing this. You'll find work. And, uh, you know, the community of people who I've found through that uh, blog is, has been really great. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. Before we wrap up, there was a, a story that I believe was one of our quirky news items that, do, do you it know which one I'm talking about? Project. 
Yes, yeah, the, the hangar project. Yeah, it sounds like it was a an amazing uh, project. I mean, <laughs> just imagine a whole lot of stinky photo fixer boiling in a dark enclosed hangar. Uh, it was uh, it was not a pretty sight. Uh, as far as as far as the planning was concerned, um, I got to this job through one of the six photographers who figured this out originally. They kind of thought up this idea, and I guess they consulted a bunch of different experts. They, in fact, found someone who is like the world's leading camera obscura guy. That's cool. He, like he's like a PhD in this, <laughs> and he figured out like what f-stop their their hangar would be at. <laughs> so they so they but but at the end of you know at the end of all the preparation that they had done. Once they had all the materials that they wanted and they had sort of a, an idea of what was going on, it turns out that they didn't really know how long this thing had to be exposed. You just had to sort of do it. Oh, so no. um, when we all arrived, um, we did all the grunt, gross, uh, you know, dirty work <laughs> of spray. We had like giant water cans, and then other people with squeegees would squeegee it onto the fabric wow. itself. And uh, we just started from one end of this piece of fabric and went all the way to the other. And then they hoisted it up and let it dry, and then they took it down, and we put the next coating on, and they did it again and again until it was ready to go. And uh, so they stuck this thing up in the hangar and let it expose. I think the the radius of the hole itself was three-fourths of an inch wide. No kidding. Which made it... Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Apparently, the aperture was... I think an incredible aperture, and uh, then they rolled it all up. They, you know, they took it down, they rolled it all up, and they had a, um, uh, a swimming pool company create special tubs to stick this thing in to have it put into the fixer and the developer and the stop bath. You know, and did the whole thing right there, and uh, then unrolled it, and by God, they had a picture. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. I I went home that night um, ready to take a shower. I bet. Oh, I my bet. first. My first priority. <laughs> we wondered what they took the photo of, too. Was it, like, just a airstrip? Apparently, the, the, the photo is part of a larger photo project that they've been doing for, gosh, I think it's like 10 years. Ever since they closed the Air Force Base, they've been doing this project of just kind of documenting it. And um, the picture itself was just the empty uh, landing strip with the radio tower. And uh, I think you can see some mountains in the background. But that's about it. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty neat. The, the, the interesting debate that I had with the photographer, uh, with, with Doug, was should you just expose it in the morning over a course of several days so that you get some that's sort of directional light? You. Well, you know, I have to remember at first that this whole thing is a negative. So the, the picture that you ended up with is, was already kind of reversed and... In, you know, hard to interpret when you look at it. But, yeah, they do end up with kind of flat light. Um, but it's still cool. You can see all the details. and yeah. It's cool. That would be great to do a week of mornings and get the similar consistent. Well, maybe we could do that in your garage, Ed. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Dylan, we have a tradition that you probably know about on the show where we ask some rapid-fire questions with our guests. Are you up for that? Sure, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, uh, since you've uh, been in the industry for a while, digital or film? Digital. I use film uh, for very specific projects. Uh, on my uh, site, there is a, a long exposure series that I did 
uh, with colored lights that I used to film, and I don't know how I would have done it digital yeah. because the CCD sensors heat up so quickly. Well, your preferred brand of camera, the, the one that's in your bag. Canon. Oh. Both wonderful cameras. I have found that the world seems to be divided amongst cities. Certain cities have Canon, certain cities have Nikon, and I have no explanation as to why, but... You know, I don't. I have. I have yet to work with anybody who uses a Nikon out no here. Kidding. Whereas, I have probably never used a Canon in uh, Ohio. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Favorite type of shoot? Mm, advertising. They treat you the best. That's cool. They get you pizza. There's always something fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, for the lighting geeks out there, what would be your favorite light modifier? Okay. Uh, good question. I would say, as far as my favorite kind of light modifier as a photographer, the kind of deep dish magnum reflectors that you can get for those pro photos. Okay. Um, gotta... um, favorite low-tech studio accessory, like gaffer's tape or something? A-clamps are great. You can buy them anywhere, and they just hold stuff to other stuff. You know? <laughs> and that's pretty much always what you need to have done on your set. Something needs to be held to something else. That's awesome. So... Yeah, I have a million of them with me. What about your favorite website? I would say PhotoshopUser.com, the NAPP's website. <laughs> uh, it's just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, they're a bunch of good guys. Oh, one famous photographer that inspires you. How about Mark Seliger? Ooh, I like his He's stuff. He's one of my favorite guys. I've been reading a lot about him lately. It seems like everywhere I turn. Well, that is cool. Um, so it's been a really cool time talking with you. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I, uh, I enjoyed it, and I had a great time. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the Internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you can also find links about our photography and keep up with the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget, you can send us feedback or questions about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll try to answer those questions on the show or in the lighting questions section on studiolighting.net. You can also get feedback on your photography in our Flickr group, which is at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Till next time. Take care. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.